Well, let's. Uh, I'd like to start off this morning. I, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate about Hebrews um, is that uh, I, I suppose a, a. I mean, this this is present all through the scriptures, especially the New Testament. Um, but I, I love how Hebrews just takes a spotlight and just makes sure everybody knows that it's on Jesus. And um, all of Hebrews is just keeps bringing us back to who it is that is uh, that is greater than all, and who it is that has a greater message than all, and who it is that has a greater salvation than all. And so we, as we come to Hebrews this morning, uh, what I'd like to do is to, to have you stand and join with me in uh, the first four verses of Hebrews, um, which I'm just going to call the Hebrews Creed because it sets the, the tone for, for where Hebrews goes. Would you stand with me? Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Fathers, we come to your word this morning. We want you to be pleased with our heart. Lord, we, we want to honor You. We want to also receive Your Word. Lord, we ask that You would help us to lay aside everything that would hinder us from coming into Your presence today with an open heart, open mind, open hands to receive whatever it is that You would uh, gift to us today by Your Word uh, and understanding and by way of, of help and encouragement and exhortation and correction and, uh, Lord, all the things that we need. And we ask for Your Spirit to, to be our counselor, our interpreter today as we turn to Your Word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The author of Hebrews sets out um, here many times reminding um, his audience of, of who's in charge, who it is that has come to save them, uh, just keeping this hope of Christ set before them over and over and over and over. And it would seem, especially from our text today as we open up the first few verses of chapter 2, that one of the, the things that they were perhaps wrestling with or in danger of is, um, uh, is, is drifting from the truth of the gospel. And it is, uh, this is not a, simply an ancient problem um, that, that was prevalent 
in the in the days that Hebrews was written, but it's a it's a problem today as well. Uh, it's something that that we must be on guard with as a church, as believers in Christ, uh, that we continue to hold unswervingly to the gospel of truth, and that we have clarity of what that is when we say the gospel. Because quite frankly, um, while there was a time that the gospel meant uh, that which was proclaimed to us through the Word, that Word has now been morphed into to represent a lot of different things. It's been used for a lot of different things. Uh, um, and so we want to have clarity on what we mean when we say the Gospel. And so I want to address that today and also uh, to, as we go through these first few verses um, to encourage to encourage you on two fronts. One, um, to encourage you to hold tightly to this word of truth that's been given to you through Christ Himself, through His Word, and, uh, and which has been revealed to you through the Holy Spirit that has brought you to salvation in Christ, faith in Him, repentance and forgiveness and the hope of eternal life and, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That you hold tightly to this so that you don't drift away. And secondly, um, that we, we also uh, have an awareness that it is necessary for, just as it was necessary for us to hear the gospel of truth, it's necessary for others to hear the gospel of truth. Which means there must be a link between the two. Those who have heard and those who need to hear and that connection is those who have heard must take the word of truth to those who need to hear. And so um, we're going to talk about both of those things this morning. And, uh, and I, I want to, uh, to offer this encouragement as you, as you think this through. One of the things that I, I've been, God's just been impressing upon me this summer is uh, that that his sovereign, him being sovereign means that the circumstances of life are not things to fight with, but things to recognize his work in. So, in other words, um, well, uh, as an example, uh, yesterday I had a plan, right? I had a plan to go from A to B and do some stuff. And in between A and B, um, I ran across a guy with a flat tire. And so we stopped to help the guy with the flat tire. And, um, it, it, which I, I was happy to do because certainly we would all want that, somebody to help us on that, on that route. Um, so we were happy to do. It was just, a, I didn't plan for that one, you know. Um, but, as we stopped to, to help this gentleman, he needed a ride then to St. Mary's, which we happened to be going that direction. And, and uh, you know, it, it, it occurred to me once again, uh, multiple times as it has this summer, it occurred to me once again that God is not working at random. Things are not happening here at random. Uh, it is not by chance that this gentleman got a flat tire, nor that we showed up when we did. Uh, in fact... I was late starting my day, which is why I was at that moment in this place. And, um, 
And as, as we gave him a ride to St. Mary's, um, we had an opportunity to share the gospel um, with him. His name was Joshua. He's like, do you know what Joshua means? God is my salvation. Like, you're stuck with that, man. <laughs> that constant reminder that God wants to know you and that He's made a way for you to have your sin made, uh, taken away before Him. And so, at, there's opportunity, the things that we find as frustrations and things to fight with in life are the op- very opportunities for us to both receive and distribute the Word of God. And... Um, and so I, I, I just, uh, uh, that, that's one thing God's been teaching me this summer. And so as we come to his word here this morning, and I, and I think about uh, the encouragement here to the Hebrews, the exhortation here to the Hebrews, um, I, I think about all the things that, that we might see as interruptions to our life that can quickly become the things that distract us from the work of God and the person of Christ in our life, and um, we we want to avoid that. Let's let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter two, verses one through four. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable. And every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. So we have a, a therefore... Which, you know, what the question is, right? Anybody? What's the therefore, therefore? Well, it means that there's some stuff that comes before here that this is built upon. Uh, we had the mention of foundations. Um, there's a foundation laid at the beginning of Hebrews that now um, God is building upon with a point of, of really, I guess we could just call it an application point here for the hearers of Hebrews. Therefore, what's the therefore? The therefore is that, therefore, since God has provided a superior messenger who has brought a superior message, therefore, let's pay close attention to it. Uh, Randy talked about the superiority of Christ over the angels. Right? It's not a, not a downplaying of who the angels are as messengers of God, but rather a, a, an illumination of the superiority of Christ. How much greater is Christ? Not, we're not saying how much lesser are the angels, but how much greater is Christ? That's, that's the opening of, of Hebrews. God has sent His very Son to be His messenger. So we remember the parable where Jesus talks, uh, uh, gives the parable of, of a vineyard. A man owns a vineyard. And, and he hands it over to some tenants. And the tenants kind of, uh, the cat's away, the mice will play. They just kind of claim it as their own, even though it doesn't really belong to them. And, uh, of course, the, 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 the owner sends word through messengers. And uh, they mistreat the messengers and don't receive the message. So what was it that he did to finally drive 
the message home. He sent His own Son. It was a parable that illuminated the truth that God has now sent His Son to, to drive home the message that, that He wants to have fellowship with His people. That He wants to bring forgiveness and, and uh, a, 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 to provide forgiveness for His people, to provide the hope of eternal life, to bring them into His family. And so here, Hebrews says, here's, here's the thing. God has now sent His Son. In, in many times and in many ways, He's spoken through, through other means. But in this day, in these last days, God has now spoken to us through His very Son. And so now, Hebrews chapter 2 says, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard lest we drift away from it. Why would there even be a concern of drifting away? Well, I think there's two things. Um, one, I think uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here, the author is aware that this is something the Hebrews are going to be wrestling with or have been wrestling with. This, this temptation to, to drift away from, from the very gospel of salvation. Or, uh, and also, that... Throughout Hebrews, one of the things that is that we find is it is rich with with the reference uh, of the Old Testament. It is rich in illuminating Old Testament truth in the light of the coming of Christ. What do we know about uh, the the Jews in the Old Testament? They drifted away a lot. There would be a renewal uh, of fellowship with God Almighty, and then they would drift away. And this pattern happened over and over. And so there is cause to be concerned here in all the references to the Old Testament and God's people and now the illumination of of God's Son. There is cause to be concerned that, that those who would trust in Him would begin to drift away. Now, what is this message that they would be in danger of drifting away from? Well, let's, let's go to some other scriptures here. John 14, 6, words of Jesus. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, it's really hard to find a loophole on that one. Yay, impossible. Tighter than the IRS documents. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one is all-inclusive. And except through me is very specific. So no one is going to have access, fellowship, restoration, reconciliation to the Father except through Jesus Christ. In other words, there is no other means of salvation. There is no other way to heaven. There is no other way to be acceptable to God except through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the message that 
Jesus brought. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So this speaks to a verse, uh, echoes a verse that you would, many of you would know pretty well, John 3.16, that God so loved the world that He sent His Son, His only Son, into the world that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so for our sake, the Father sent the Son, who the Son was sinless, so that He would become our sacrifice for sin, so that we could become the righteousness of God through Christ's sacrifice. So the, the Father wanted to restore us to Himself, which required us to become righteous, which we cannot do. Instead, He sent His Son to become our righteousness for us. Jesus Christ laying down His life for us, the perfect sacrifice so that our sin would be forgiven and God's wrath removed from us and Christ's righteousness given to us. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21-25. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. He committed no sin, Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Uh, this, this actually echoes very closely the words of Isaiah that talk about the, the, the suffering servant, uh, the, the coming of Messiah who would suffer on our behalf. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is the gospel message. Uh, that, that God created us to have fellowship with Him. Sin severed that fellowship. And because of sin, we deserve rightly the wrath of God. Punishment from God. It is not the amount of sin that God punishes. It is sin itself that God punishes. So it is not whether we drive a Yugo full of sin or a dump truck full of sin. It is that we have sin at all. And if we show up at all at the end of our life, we die and we show up at all uh, with, with sin in our satchel, we are guilty of the wrath of God or deserving of the wrath of God. And there is no way for us to escape that. So this is the gospel, the good news. The message from the Son of God is that God has made a way for us to be restored to Him. For our sin to be forgiven. 
for us to enter into heaven clean, not filthy, clean and right with the righteousness of God. He sent His Son who was sinless, who willingly died on a cross and took upon Himself the wrath of God for you, for me, for all of humanity. That those who look upon Him and call upon Him in faith would receive His forgiveness, would receive His righteousness, would receive the right to become a child of God, the Scriptures say. That is the Gospel. That now you no longer look forward to the wrath of God when you die. Because there, there really are, we're presented with two options in Scripture. When we die, there is the wrath of God awaiting us or there is heaven in the presence of God awaiting us. And those are the options those are the only two options. There's no like middle option where you get a redo or you get to kind of work off some of that bad stuff. Those are the two options. And God appeals to us now through His Son to grab hold of, of His rescuing hand in Jesus Christ. That this is our opportunity to be rescued from a, from a, a hopeless situation. Jesus is the only way. He's the only way of forgiveness. He's the only way of eternal life. He's the only way of having true fellowship with God. And if you or I, even as believers, lose sight of that, lose conviction of that, we are in great danger of drifting away from it entirely. Now there are uh, provided here for us several witnesses that this, this Gospel that's been presented to us through Jesus Christ is in fact the Word of Truth that we need to hold on to. Um, scripture is big on the, on the presence of witnesses. Uh, even, even way back in the Old Testament, if someone was going to be convicted of, of wrongdoing, there needed to be the presence of witnesses. It couldn't just be based on, on a person, one, one thing that somebody says. There had to be the presence of two or three witnesses for this person to actually uh, go through the process of, of uh, uh, being not just accused, but then convicted of, of whatever they were accused of uh, and punished for that. Um, and so it is with uh, the New Testament and, pre- and the Gospels present to us that principle of needing two or three witnesses or more uh, to verify truth. So not just to verify the wrongdoing now, but in the New Testament we see that presence of witnesses uh, in, in many ways being used to verify the Word of God, the truth of God, the plan of God, the presence of God. Um, we think of Jesus at the Transfiguration. He shows up with two witnesses, doesn't he? When he reveals his glory to his disciples, um, there's Moses and Elijah present, both giving witness to Jesus being the Son of God, the Messiah. 
Uh, if we go through John's Gospel, when we went through that together, um, one of the things that John lays out over and over and over is the presence of witnesses that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of mankind. And over and over we see witnesses showing up. Everybody from God the Father to God the Holy Spirit to uh, John the Baptizer to Moses even in John's Gospel. And so we see the presence of witnesses being so important. And here in Hebrews, the presence of witnesses is still important. And we see that in verses 3 and 4. It says, It was declared at first by the Lord, Jesus, God the Son, and it was attested to uh, to us by those who heard. Who were those who heard? Those who were the, the eyewitnesses of Jesus. Those apostles and disciples who received word directly from Him uh, when Jesus was in bodily form. And so we have, so far the witnesses are God the Son, the apostles and disciples who received the word. And then it goes on here, it says, While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. So we have, we have here the presence of, of uh, at least four witnesses, and you might be able to infer more than that through it, reading sort of between the stitches here. But, uh, but we have the presence of God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and the apostles and disciples who all verify that this, this is the gospel of truth. That Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. That He is the Son of God, greater than the angels, who has been sent for us. Now this is the message that all people need to hear. Um, as believers, it's not only a message of salvation. That is to say, it is not only the message that brings us to salvation, but it is also the message that keeps us walking in it. That is, keeps us walking in fellowship with God. That keeps before us the hope of heaven. That helps us to have a, a right perspective in this world and that helps us to walk in fellowship with our Savior, with our Lord. To keep in step with the Holy Spirit. But it is also the message that all people who are lost need to hear. Now it's true that some are going to hear it and, um, and all they hear is condemnation. Um, that they will reject the message because all they can hear is that maybe it's my way isn't good enough and that's offensive. Um, maybe it's that I'm a sinner and I don't think I am. Uh, maybe it's that God only gives me one way. Well, I need options. Um, where rather than embracing that God has provided a means for salvation, they reject it. But there are many, like myself and like most of you sitting here, who have embraced that. That when it was shared with you that God made a way for you to be forgiven of your sins, where God made a way for you to enter into heaven when you die in the presence of God for eternity, who when they shared with you that the guilt and the shame that you carry around because of the offenses that you have towards God and others 
can be removed and instead the peace of Christ put in its place, when you heard that message, you believed it. You grabbed hold of it. And you continue to walk in it today, clinging tightly to it. There are many yet to receive that message of truth. To be set free from guilt and the power of sin. To receive the hope of eternal life. You know, Hebrews talks about, later in, the, in Hebrews here, it talks about that hope that we have in Christ. It's an anchor for our soul. How often we as, as believers, we recognize that when we go through the trials of life, which we will absolutely 100% go through the trials of life. We live in a broken world and none of us uh, are immune to it. We live in the same world that all of our uh, uh, all of our, our fellow human beings are in, whether they believe in Christ or not, we live in the same world. It's broken and bad stuff happens and we all go through it. We're going to go through trials in this life and we recognize as believers that we have something firm to stand on and we have a hope to help us persevere and endure. Um, when, when that foundation is laid, as Dan talked about, if, if we have a good foundation under us, how many of you, when a, when a storm starts kicking up, you go, oh boy, I hope the house doesn't come down this time. I hope you're not thinking that. <laughs> Hopefully, you don't even give a thought to it because you, all, you already know that foundation's been tested and it's good and it's going to hold. As believers, we have the same kind of thing in our life. That we know it's been tested, it's been proven that, that, that God is sovereign, that He loves us, that He's going to ride us through whatever this is, that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for He is with us. You know, a lot of the world doesn't have that. When the storms blow in and shake, they worry that this is the end. We have a hope that is a sure and steady anchor for our soul that others desperately need and that they're searching for. And everything that they keep laying down as a possible foundation keeps crumbling. But Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, the unfailing, unchanging, unmovable cornerstone well one question I want to pose to you is God is going to give you opportunities to share uh, this truth with others Um, especially if you ask him for it I dare you ask him for it kind of like the scriptures say uh Trust God with your tithe and see what He'll do. It's the one thing that God says, test me in it. Um, well, I would go so far as to say, test God in this. Ask Him to give you an opportunity to share the Gospel with another. Someone who needs it. And I promise you that He's going to bring opportunities your way. So you might want to ask also for the courage to step into it when He gives you that opportunity. 
Because God has actually handed off to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, this job, this, uh, this blessing of, of bringing others to Him. Um, it's one of the things that I love about, about the uh, disciple Andrew. He's just really good about... I don't know if Andrew just thought sometimes maybe he didn't know what to say, but he definitely was good about, hey, just come and see for yourself. You need to come and encounter Jesus for yourself. And Andrew was good about that. Uh, I don't remember reading much about Andrew trying to convince people with his words or his arguments or his apologetics or his intellect or anything like that. He just says, "Uh, come and meet him. So my question is, will you, will you do that? Um, God saved you. He saved you for a purpose. And the circumstances of your life are part of that purpose. And I don't know where those opportunities are going to come in there. Um, I, it may well be that they're just simply those kind of on the outside looking in who are being witnessed to. It may be that there are going to be encounters, acute encounters along your journey that you're going to have opportunity to be a witness for Christ in their life, to point them to the hope of heaven in Christ. But it will come nonetheless. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. Why don't you turn there with me? I don't think I have this one up there for you because I wanted you to flip the pages of your own Bible. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Sorry, did I say Hebrews 10? I meant Romans chapter 10. Romans 10 verse 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. Now, uh, um, I I think this is interesting in light of our passage today because one of the things that that Hebrews says there in chapter 2, verse uh, verse 2, it says, For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape um, if we neglect such a great salvation? That is that... The message that was brought through lesser messengers proved to be true and accurate and trustworthy. So if the message through lesser messengers, the angels and the prophets, was proved true, how much more so than the word that comes through God's very Son? So we have, for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that was what the, the previous messengers brought messages about. That the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, uh, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says, everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. As I was sharing the Gospel with this gentleman yesterday um, and telling him about uh, just knowing God and, and that God has offered that to us, he said, boy, you know, I, I hope I get there one day. I said, man... Ask for it. Because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him whom have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How is it? Um, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed that what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. If people are going to believe, including us, we need to hear the truth. We are the messengers. In fact, in Second Corinthians chapter 5, turn there with me. It's just over to the right. A couple more books. Second Corinthians chapter 5. This is something that sticks with me a lot. You know, some of Jesus' last words were to go into the world and, and teach them everything that He had taught and, and to make disciples, followers of Jesus. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Wow. So, so God sends messengers at many times and in many ways through the angels and the prophets. And then God sends His Son to proclaim this good news that salvation is available to all who call upon His name. And then God sends more messengers with that truth that has been revealed through the greatest messenger, Jesus. And those messengers are gathered here today. That we are the ambassadors for Christ. We have been entrusted with the message that God is reconciling people to Himself. The church, this is our, our clear mission. And if you're sitting here today and, and you haven't yet, taken hold of this gift that God has offered to you. Today's the day. Uh, there is no other way that you are going to arrive at the end of your days and, and somehow be right before God. There is no way to escape His judgment except through 
faith in Jesus Christ, His Son. The issue is not what options lay before me uh, for salvation. The The issue at hand is God has made a way for you to receive forgiveness and eternal life. Will you take hold of it? And for us as a church then to continue to hold before us this mission of of, of seeking opportunities to bring others into the kingdom of God, into the family of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for all that You have done for us in the sending of Your Son. Lord, I ask that at the core of who we are, our greatest desire would be to please You. And that You would give us a heart like Yours. Lord, that those who are seeking after... um, Seeking after you, seeking after that that thing deep within them that that is is continues to remind them that that there's a a type of emptiness in their life that they don't recognize as you, Lord. We we just ask that you would that you would use us to be your messengers to those who are seeking a a strong foundation to those who are seeking a way of escaping their guilt and their shame, to those who are seeking eternal life. Lord, we ask that you would that you would use us. That where you, Holy Spirit, are are um, are tilling the ground, Lord, we we just ask that you would empower us by your spirit to be ones who sow seed. Lord, we, we just thank you that that seed was sown in our own life, that it took root, and we ask that you would help it to continue to grow strong, that we would be like trees planted near streams of water, that we grow strong and bear fruit in our, in our season. And Lord, that, uh, that when the winds come, when the storms come, Lord, that we don't, we don't uh, fail or falter or fall but Lord, that we stand strong because our foundation is in You. Lord, we we thank You for Your goodness and Your mercy and Your grace extended to us. We pray that You would empower us as Your witnesses. In Jesus' name, Amen.